Welcome, I'm Cliff Hedges. This is Pastor Cliff's Notes. It's a podcast where we're studying the Bible. We're working our way through the book of Romans. Today is episode 516. We're looking at Romans chapter 2, verses 1 through 5. Let's read our passage. Therefore, every one of you who judges is without excuse. For when you judge another, you condemn yourself, since you, the judge, do the same things. Now we know that God's judgment on those who do such things is based on the truth. Do you think any one of you who judges those who do such things, yet do the same, that you'll escape God's judgment? Or do you despise the riches of his kindness, restraint, and patience, not recognizing that God's kindness is intended to lead you to repentance? Because of your hardened and unrepentant heart, you're storing up wrath for yourself in the day of wrath, when God's righteous judgment is revealed. This is Paul's letter to the church in Rome. Paul is in Corinth on his third missionary journey. His intention is at the end of this journey, when he returns to Jerusalem, accompanying the collection for the poor people, he'll then turn around and go to Rome. So he's basically writing this letter. uh, It's not so much a letter of introduction, because he knows some of the people in Rome. He's met them on his travels, and he he makes certain personal greetings. Uh, We'll see that in the end of the letter. So there's a few people he does know. But he's sending this letter to the entire church to make himself a little more known, to set the stage for his visit, because he wants to come and strengthen them. He wants to come and help them be a healthy, prosperous church in Rome, the capital city of the empire. So chapter 2 begins a new segment, but of this overall section where he's talking about everyone is a sinner, and is accountable to God for sin. In chapter 1, verses 18 to 32, he was talking about all these people that are accountable to God because of their sin. They're without excuse. And he was talking about they, third person plural. The context really pretty much fit for the Gentiles because it was people who denied the existence of God, denied the authority of God. That would leave the Jews out of that because they all recognize there is a God, even where they may not have been very faithful about it. But here in chapter 2, verse 1, he shifts to second person singular. When he says you, it's you singular, not you all. And the idea here is he's speaking basically to Jewish people as an ethnic group. You, the Jewish nation. You, the Jewish people. Not so much the people he's actually writing the letter to, because there would be Jews, maybe not a lot of them, in the church in Rome, but it was primarily a Gentile church, but there would be some Jewish believers there. He's not really writing to them. So when he says you, he's using a literary style called a diatribe. Now, when we hear diatribe, we think it was just an angry outburst, but it's an actual literary style in which it basically sets up a fake argument. Basically, you're writing this argument where you're either posing questions or challenges from this imaginary person or oppositions that they might raise, and you're speaking against that. That's the literary style he's using here is diatribe. So he's basically got a kind of a fake dialogue going on here. And the group he's speaking to would be the Jews as a whole. He says in chapter 2, verse 1, Therefore, every one of you who judges is without excuse. Now, this is following what he said back earlier in chapter 1, 
talking about those who deny God are without excuse. So now he's shifting gears into speaking to the Jews overall. They don't deny God, but they are also without excuse. And this is still under the section of everyone is a sinner accountable to God for their sin. So now for the Jewish people, you who judge are without excuse. Every one of you who judges is without excuse. And the you here is singular. So what's he talking about here? Well, he's talking about the Jews who think they're okay with God just because they're Jewish. And that's his challenge is, no, even, even Jews are sinners accountable to God for their sin. And they may stand in judgment of others who are not Jews and say, well, so too bad for them because they're not Jewish, but you're still accountable to God for your sin. You're without excuse. For when you judge another, you condemn yourself, since you, the judge, do the same things. Now, the one judging would say, I don't do the same things he was talking about. All those people who are full of envy, murder, quarrels, deceit, malice, gossip, slanderers, God-haters, arrogant, proud, boastful, interventors of evil, disobedient to parents, senseless, untrustworthy, unloving, unmerciful. I don't do that. Well, you do some of it. You may not do every one of those things, but you do a lot of many of those things. Envy? Who's not envious of somebody? A murder? Jesus raised just anger to the level of murder. Quarrels? Who doesn't quarrel at times? Deceit? Who's completely honest? And so all these things, everybody is guilty of at some point, at some level. And his point here is, to be looking down on the Gentile people and say, they are so unholy, so unrighteous, they deserve the wrath of God. And he says, well, you're not any better, really. You do the same things they do. Maybe not to degree, and maybe not identical in nature, but you still sin. Verse 2. Now, we know that God's judgment on those who do such things is based on the truth. Well, when you're talking about the Gentile people doing all those ungodly things, and we say, well, God is right to judge them because it's based on the truth of God. Well, it's also right that he judge those who are part of the ethnic Jewish community on the same standards. That's also based on God's truth. Verse 3, do you think any one of you who judges those who do such things yet do the same thing, that you will escape God's judgment? So here we see part of this literary style, a diatribe. Do you think, or don't you think this is so? The, the argument he's raising, that what they would think, that if they judge those who do such things, yet do the same thing, they would escape God's judgment. It doesn't make any sense. You would be judging someone else for doing something, but you doing the very same thing. Of course, you would be liable to the same judgment that they are. That just makes sense. Verse 4, or do you despise the riches of his kindness, restraint, and patience, not recognizing that God's kindness is intended to lead you to repentance? What's talking about here? He's talking about the Jewish people. What is it about the Jewish people that makes them so special? Well, the fact that God has revealed himself to them, that's what makes them so special. Not because they're special, but the fact that God is special. And so go back to why does God have this group of people called the Jews to be the chosen people? And that 
could get thrown around a lot. Chosen because they're special and special? No, no, no. Chosen to be the community that knows God. Chosen to be the community that God worked through, that God revealed himself to. And so they weren't in a state of salvation because of this. They were in a state of the knowledge of God because of this. And that's what Paul's talking about here, his kindness, restraint, and patience. He hasn't dealt with them like the pagan nations. He's dealt with them like his family to reveal himself to them, intending to lead them to repentance. You still need repentance. You still need faith. Paul doesn't use the word repentance a lot. That was a word that was understood in, in the Jewish world, but it didn't really have the same context the way we use it of turning from sin in salvation. There would just be sorry for a thing you did. We link repentance to coming to faith. They wouldn't necessarily do that. So Paul didn't use this word repentance much. But even the Jews needed to come to faith. Even the Jews needed faith. So verse 5, because if you're hardened and unrepentant heart, you're storing up wrath for yourselves in the day of wrath when God's righteous judgment is revealed. Now, earlier back in chapter 1, Paul had said God's wrath is being revealed right now. And so he talked about God turning people over to their own wicked desires as a form of God's wrath happening now. Now his sense is more in the coming day that when God does judge, then those people who are living denying their responsibility before God, but thinking they're in a good relationship with God, but being mistaken, they're just storing up wrath that's going to be revealed later on. So he's speaking to the Jewish people here, not necessarily to the people in the church in Rome, but just to the Jewish people, just as he had talked about the Gentile people. In chapter 1, he's talking about the Jewish people here. But it's all together, and then some of it can start to get mixed up as we go along. The point here being that everyone is a sinner, and it's accountable to God for their sin. There is no group of people who are free from the effects of sin. Everyone is a sinner, and so he's going to develop the argument. So, therefore, everyone needs a Savior. Everyone needs faith. Because the only solution to sin is forgiveness by God through faith in Jesus Christ. And that's the only solution to sin. There's no group who have an umbrella which covers them from the effects of sin. There was something that was popular at the time. It's called covenantal nomism. And it's just a word. Basically, it means those that think they're in this covenantal relationship with God. And that, therefore, puts them in a right standing with God. The thinking being, I'm a Jew. The Jew are the chosen people of God. I follow the law. Therefore, I'm okay in God's sight. I will escape the wrath of God because of that. And that actually is a pretty popular view. It's lessening some today, but it has been in recent years in the church. You could call it that, a covenantal nominism of believing that I'm a churchgoer and I'm a moral person. Therefore, I'm in a good standing with God. I will escape the wrath of God. Or, as popular even in some circles today, there is no wrath of God. So the idea being that I'm part of the group that God likes, Christians, and I'm doing my best to act Christian 
Therefore, I'm on good terms with God. These same arguments would apply to that. No, you're not, because everyone is a sinner in need of a Savior, and the only solution to sin is forgiveness of sin based on faith in Jesus Christ. Whether you're a Jew in the first century or someone who carries the label of Christian in the 21st century, you still need faith in Jesus Christ. So Paul keeps taking this argument about everyone's accountable to God for their sin up into chapter 3, and then he'll start to the solution. The solution to all that is justification by faith. Thanks for joining me. Join me again next time as we continue working through the book of Romans.